Our first, or our gospel reading for this morning comes from the gospel of John chapter 15. Jesus said to the disciples, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Well, grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's really good to see faces preaching. Uh, thank you very much. Um, still going to be looking at the camera too, but wow, it's nice. Um, Lindsay and I, I think, uh, over, the year, over this last year and a half, sort of have a pact of, I'll laugh at your jokes if you laugh at mine, because it's the only laugh you're going to hear in the sanctuary up until now. So, so thank you for being here. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, our readings for this morning remind me of a Saturday, Saturday Night Live skit from the 90s called The Roxbury Guys. Does anybody remember that skit? Uh, if you don't remember, there's probably a good reason. Some people do. But uh, it featured two decidedly uncool guys dressed in shiny rayon suits played by Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan, who would go out clubbing to their local club, the Roxbury, and dance to the song, What is Love, by Hathaway. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. And these guys would go out, and they couldn't dance, and they were completely oblivious, and they could not make a real connection with anyone except themselves and that stupid song. But what is love could have been the heading for Jesus' instruction to his disciples in our gospel reading for today, and really in this whole section of the Gospel of John. They are gathered together in the upper room, and Jesus has just washed their feet, and they've shared their last supper. And now he gives his final instructions, which includes some of Jesus' most iconic sayings. He says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. He says, I will send you the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to guide you. I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me as I abide in you. No greater love has anyone than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And he concludes all of this by praying over them. Jesus spends these fleeting moments before his arrest, trial, and crucifixion trying to reinforce the importance of love to his disciples. He certainly demonstrated it in what he did with his life. He healed the sick and welcomed the outcast. He ate with the marginalized, the unclean, strangers, enemies, and the shunned. 
He called out systems that humiliated, impoverished, and dealt in violence. He told parables that explains how each person is precious and loved by God. He taught about a new way to live and painted a vision of the way the world could be called the kingdom or the reign of God, which has love as its very center. Jesus was a teacher, and he continually taught through all of his words and deeds. But I get the sense that in this moment, he wants to make sure that the disciples get it. He uses the metaphors which are memorable like the vine and the branches, like parents and children to describe this love. He says over and over again, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He repeats himself over and over again, much more than is usual. And I think he is trying to make his point and trying to make it stick. This is love. This is what love looks like. This is what love feels like. This is what love does. My preaching professor, Peter Gomes, once warned that it is dangerous for a preacher to ask a question that they don't know to the, the answer to in a sermon. But I'll live dangerously this morning and ask the question in the words of the song, so what is love? And by the way, if you Google that question, the very first thing you will get is that song. Well, this spring, our staff has had a book group, um, and we're reading Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead, Brave Work, Tough Conversations, Whole Hearts. And it's good, and I highly recommend it. And our discussions have been really rich and really fruitful. And part of what I'm taking away from the experience of reading the book together is a better understanding of what is love. And this certainly runs through all of Brene Brown's books and her podcasts and her Netflix special. And my interpretation of what she says is that we often associate love with being nice. And we don't want to hurt feelings. We just want to make everything right for everybody. And we don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. And so in an effort to be nice, however, we wind up doing the opposite. She says, clear is kind unclear is unkind. She says, I first heard that saying two decades ago in a 12-step meeting, but I didn't even think about it again until I saw the data about how most of us avoid clarity because we tell ourselves that we're being kind when we're act what we're actually doing is being unkind and unfair. She says, feeding people half-truths or BS to make them feel better, which is almost always about making ourselves feel more comfortable, is unkind. Talking about people rather than to them, she says, is unkind. Her point is that loving others means loving them enough to rumble with them, which is her word. She means to be open, to be honest, to be vulnerable, to listen, to forgive, to understand, and to adjust. It reminds me of an observation that Pastor G made when she was here that suburban congregations like ours can put such an emphasis on being nice that we can inadvertently do the opposite of what we intend. And so if I had to contrast the two, I'd say that nice tends to stay on the surface, whereas love goes deep. Nice prioritizes keeping the peace, often at the expense of someone's suffering. Nice reduces us to our lowest common denominator, but love is a force multiplier. Nice can paralyze us, 
but love is willing to wade into the mess that is our lives or perhaps even make a mess when necessary. Nice whitewashes and papers over things, whereas love reveals, holds, and heals hard truths. Nice can be a loaded term for appearing mannered and behaving according to the prevailing culture. Love calls us to be brave and courageous and to live in the way of Jesus. To Brown's point, niceness is a practice that often covers up our own fears and insecurities, that creates an emotional distance and therefore safety for us, that preys on our own deep longing to be accepted and to belong. Niceness is a well-cultivated and socially acceptable hiding place. God, who sees us in this, though, has compassion and mercy and draws us out to be loved as our true and authentic selves. Often, nice is a facade. Nice is a hiding place. Niceness often serves ourselves more than others. It can be a form of emotional armor. Nice is not love, at least not the kind of love that Jesus is calling us to hear. Jesus is calling us to go further and to go deeper in love. And Jesus himself sometimes was not that nice. (laughs) Nice doesn't get you crucified. Jesus told the truth in love, and he saw through to the heart of each person. And I'm reminded of some of those stories of Jesus. I'm reminded of the story of the woman at the well where Jesus came to the well during midday to refresh. And there was this woman at the well. She was there in the midday, not in the cooler times of the day because she had become outcast in her village and she was drawing water in the midday. And Jesus sat there and talked with her and asked her about her life and went deeper with her. And Jesus revealed to her, all about herself, so much that she was so taken, she ran back to the village and said, come and meet this man who knew everything about me, who saw me, who knows me, and loves me still. I'm reminded of the story of Zacchaeus who climbed the sycamore tree. That was my favorite song in Sunday school. Zacchaeus who climbed the sycamore tree. And Jesus walked up to the tree. Zacchaeus was in the tree because he too was outcast in his community. He was a tax collector. People resented him. And so to be away from the crowds and, but still get a look at Jesus, he climbed up the sycamore tree and Jesus walked right up to that tree and right up to Zacchaeus and pointed at him and said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to have dinner at your house tonight. And Zacchaeus came down from the tree and Jesus ate and dined with him. Jesus saw him and knew him and loved him. And I'm reminded of the story of the healing of the paralytic where Jesus was in a home and it was so crowded. Jesus was so popular. The front door was crowded. There was a crowd out front. Nobody could get in. And so these four friends who had this friend who was a paralytic, they went up onto the roof and opened up the thatch roof and lowered their friend down on a mat in front of Jesus so that this man would be healed. And Jesus healed him. And then when the people and the powers that be who were gathered there said, you're not allowed to do that, Jesus said, well, watch this. I forgive him too. And he said to the man, get up and take your mat and walk. Jesus always went deeper. Jesus went below the surface. He was curious and compassionate. 
He sought out the points of real human connection. And he loved these people and families and communities just as they were. Brown says, we cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known. And when we honor the spiritual connection that grows from that offering with trust, respect, kindness, and affection. What is love? The whole Bible is a reflection on that question. And it is filled with stories of the human struggle to love. Families and friends and strangers and enemies and ourselves and God. The book of Genesis is all about families trying to love each other. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Jacob and Esau and Joseph and his brothers, all trying imperfectly, wildly imperfectly, to love each other. The prophets call the people and teach them what it means to love God, as well as the orphan, the widow, the poor, and the stranger, those most vulnerable in their culture. And the Song of Songs is an entire book dedicated to describing God's love. We see that love embodied in the life and words of Jesus. He doesn't want the disciples or us to forget what we have seen in him or to miss the point. And so he's telling us this point again here, again and again. What we see in Jesus and in the Bible is that love wades in. That love goes deep. That love is compassion and humility and listening. Love is speaking for those without a voice, access, or privilege. Love doesn't look away. Love takes time. Love is curious. Love coaxes us out of our well-worn hiding places. Love lowers our defenses. Love allows us to be who we are and to know that we are truly loved. Love lays itself down for the sake of others in big ways and small. Love tells us that we are loved just as we are. Amen.